0: Good morning, everyone. Happy New Year. You know Hebrews 13:6 says that we can be confident of this: that the Lord is our helper, and there isn't anything that we need to fear.
1: Let's sing this out together.
2: When darkness comes to roll over my bones, when sorrow comes to steal the joy I own. Brokenness and pain is all I know I won't be shaken No, I won't be shaken My fear doesn't stand a chance When I stand in your love My fear doesn't stand a chance place to hide. I am not a captive to the lies. I'm not afraid, I'm not afraid to leave my past behind and I won't be shaken.
3: name that is Jesus. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. He who was and still is and will be through it all. Come what may in the space between all the things unseen and this wreck me. I know I will never be. Go, <laughs> go, The joy come every battle, cause I know that's where you'll be.
2: Amen. you up, Jesus. I've searched the world, but it couldn't fill me. Man's empty praise and treasures that fade are never enough. No, they're not. Then you came along. me back together And every desire is now satisfied Here in your love Yes it is Oh there's nothing Better than you There's nothing Is better than you. And I'm not afraid, and I'm not afraid to show you my weakness, my failures and flaws. Lord, you've seen them all, and you still call me friend. Because the God of the mountain is the God of the valley, Hallelujah! and there's not a place your mercy and grace won't find me again. is better than you yeah. sing it You turn mourning to dancing You give beauty into glory You turn shame into glory gardens. You turn bones into armies. You turn seas into highways. You're the only one who cares. There's nothing better than you. There's nothing, nothing is better than you.
3: Philippians 2, 9 through 11 states, Therefore God has highly exalted him to the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Jesus' name stems from the Hebrew word Yeshua, which means to save and to deliver. And this verse is asking us to exalt his name, to praise his name, and to confess his name above everything else. And so now as we continue in worship... I ask you to join me in proclaiming Jesus' name over our lives and for giving him praise for our salvation and deliverance. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Jesus. Praise you, Jesus.
2: the name above every other name. Yes it is. Jesus the only one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. i uh-huh. a very bright
1: Discipleship and Happy New Year! So we're going to sing one more song uh, this morning uh, in as a worship to our Lord Jesus, and we're also going to join into uh, communion together, um, worshiping our Lord Jesus Christ. So were you able to ring in the New Year last year midnight? You should go to bed at nine thirty. So did you make some resolutions? So, you know, making a resolution is is kind of a common practice for so many of us because I think we we wanna improve our life. Um, We desire to um, have a better life, better health, better and deeper relationships. And New Year's Day is a good demarcation to end the old and bring in the new. So thinking about the new year for me, I'm reminded that God has promised to make all things new and that includes me, that includes us. So God has brought his people salvation through Jesus Christ, a gift that is described throughout the scriptures as new life. This new life is essentially that which is new in nature, different from the usual, better than the old, and certainly superior in significance. Believers begin a new life when they are born again by the Spirit and we become a new creation. Paul writes, therefore, if we are in Christ, we are a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. In our walk, with Jesus, we seek to put on the new self and to follow the new commandment of Christ, which is to love one another. And in every way, here on this planet and in eternity, this newness is is immeasurably better than the old. This newness is from God, it's a gift. And in communion, we remember the cost of this gift that Jesus willingly laid down his life for us. So I encourage you to reflect on this goodness of God in giving us this priceless gift and in what it means to live in newness of life in Christ. In the next song, Be Thou My Vision, when you have prepared your hearts and you are ready, come forward. There's three tables here. Take the elements on the table, and then come up to the edge. Move to the side, to the edge of the of the uh, stage. And if you're here with your family, I encourage you to take the elements together. And when you make your way to the side, uh, next to the stage, take the bread, which represents Christ's body, and eat. And take the cup, which represents a, uh, Christ's blood of a new covenant, and drink. And if you're here this morning and you're mobility challenged, it'd be difficult to walk down the aisle. No worries, the the ushers would be happy to serve you where you are. They'll bring the elements to you. Just get their attention. So let us pray. Lord God, thank you for this new year. Thank you for your gift of new life. And Father, I pray in this coming year, each day, would you help us live this new life in Christ in a way that honors you? Would you help us live out the new commandment in that we would love one another? And we pray this in Jesus Christ. Amen.
4: Welcome to Camarillo Community Church. It's the new year. You guys are the faithful few. I know that it was hard getting up this morning. Uh, you guys probably stayed up till one, two in the morning. And so we're thankful that you guys are here today. For those of you guys who don't know me, my name is Jacob Salas. I'm the middle school pastor here at Camarillo Community Church. And a little fun fact about me. I'm the only youth pastor here on staff right now that has a head of hair right? Um, so Zach is, Zach is better than me in every single way, but uh, at least I have hair, right? So I have that one thing on him. Um, I want to know how many of you guys here remember a game by the name of Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare? Does, any, does anybody here remember that game? Um, Call of Duty Modern Warfare, it was released in 2007 by Activision. And it was a game that would forever change the video game industry. IGN had rated this game 10 out of 10. It, w- it would come to revolutionize the first-person shooter genre. And if you were a young boy in the, early, in the late 2000s, you would with no doubt remember the hype that surrounded this game. And I remember as a 12-year-old boy, this was like the only thing I wanted in the whole wide world. It was at the very top of my Christmas list. And I remember begging my mom for this game. I remember telling her mom, like everybody else at school has this game. Everybody is playing Call of Duty and you don't want me to be the only person that's not playing Call of Duty. That would just be lame. And so I remember begging my mom, right? For weeks, I was, I was, I was bringing it up, bringing it up in conversation, slipping it into the call ride to school. I was like, mom, it would be so great if I got this for Christmas. And I guess all those weeks of begging paid off because on Christmas, I remember, I remember receiving a gift in the shape of a video game. And I remember as I looked at that Christmas wrapped gift, I thought, surely this is it, right? This is, this is the game that I've been waiting for for weeks. And so as I excitedly tore apart the Christmas wrapping, I had saw my very own copy of Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare. I was so ecstatic. I was so excited. I remember, I remember thanking my mom and immediately putting that game into my gaming console. And I remember I played that game. I had beaten the game in like two days. And then I, and then I started to replay my favorite missions in that game. And I was so excited for like a week. And, and what, was, what had brought me joy in the past had become dull and boring. And then I was ready to move on to the next thing. Some of you guys, as parents, are probably going through the same thing right now. Your your kids for for months on end were begging you for this thing, and then when they finally received it, they were excited for a time, and now we're seven days out from Christmas, and they probably thrown already thrown it off to the side, right? Joy in this world is something that is seasonal, that comes and it goes. Some of you guys. May have experienced joy in your life, this sort of circumstantial joy. Maybe you got that promotion that you, that you were working so hard for. Or maybe you got, you were approved for that home loan that you never thought you would be approved for. And then you, you received that thing that you, that you wanted for so long. And for a brief moment, you brushed shoulders with joy. And as quickly as it came, joy left. For those who don't know Christ, joy is a circumstantial affair. Joy comes when life is good, but when life is no longer good, then in the world, joy becomes absent. And so today, I'm going to propose a question to you, if we can put up on the screen here. This is going to be our big question for the day. How does Christian joy differ from the joy of the world? How does Christian joy differ from the joy of the world? Because as Christians, we understand that our mission, our values, what we treasure, and our perspective are different from the world. So how does my standing with Christ as a son or daughter of God and my hope in the salvation of Christ change the way that I look at joy? We as Christians, we ought to look at everything with a different lens. And so joy is no different. We ought to look at joy differently than the world. So if the world experiences circumstantial joy, if the world experiences joy that's dictated by their surroundings and environments and the happenings of their life, then what does joy in the Christian look like? Does joy continue to wax and to wane, to ebb and to flow to the circumstances of life, or does Christ offer me a greater depth of joy? As we look at our text today, we're going to see that joy is not found in circumstance, but in Christ. And as a matter of fact, that's our, that's our first main point today, right? So how does Christian joy differ from the joy of the world? Well, firstly, Christian joy is not found in circumstance, but it's found in Christ. And so to, to kind of to, to lean into that a bit more, we're going to go ahead and we're going to look at a scripture today. It's, a you know, I... Um, I, I, I wanted to take it. I, I wanted to uh, uh, to take it easy on you guys because this is a very long scripture. So I split it up into three parts. Right. So if you can go on to the next slide, it's a whole lot of words. I got four words for you on the screen there. Okay. No. 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 Backwards. I got four words on the screen there for you. Right. Rejoice in the Lord. Right? Philippians chapter four, verse four, it says, rejoice in the Lord. I know it's a whole lot to take in, right? It's a whole lot of scripture, but I apologize. No, just kidding. It's, it's a, it's very short, right? And so, um, so in this short command today, Paul tells us to rejoice or to take joy, to celebrate in the Lord. But what, what does that mean? What does that mean to rejoice in the Lord? Like, I, I know what it means to have, I know what it means to have joy. I, I had joy last week when I was eating tamales with my family. That was like, that, like I, I had joy then, right? But, but what does it mean to have joy in the Lord? And so firstly, we understand that uh, joy in the Lord means that our, we have a different source of joy, Our joy is not sourced from the same pool as the world, but we have a different source of joy when we come to know Christ. The Bible is very clear. To the believer, to the follower of Christ, God has made available to you a joy that is different from the world's joy. That this joy is not rooted in the circumstances of life as the world's is, but this joy is sourced and found in Christ. Psalm 1611 says, In your presence there is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. David understood very well that our joy is found in Christ, and he treasured Christ so deeply. He said, God, I I look at you and I see the place where my joy is found. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand there is pleasures forevermore. Our joy is found in Christ. So firstly, we know that as Christians, we have a different different source of joy. But we also have a different extent or capacity for joy. So as as we consider what it means to take joy in the Lord, we know that it means that we have a different source, but also it means that we have a different capacity for experiencing joy, that Christ came to change the extent and capacity of our joy. And in in John chapter 15, he says, if you keep my commandments and abide in my love, just as I have abided in my father's love, right? He says, these things I have said to you, that joy may be in you. Not only joy, he says, my joy. He says, I said these things so that my joy would be in you and that your joy may be full. There's two things that Jesus is saying here. He's saying that I've come to give you a new joy, a joy like you've never experienced before. He says, I've come to give you my joy. We, we as as people, our joy is limited by our earthly capacity to experience joy. Right, but Jesus came and said, "I'm not gonna. I'm not limited by your capacity for joy. But I'm, I'm coming to offer you my joy. And that when I give you this joy, this joy is gonna be overflowing. It's gonna be full to the brim. It's gonna be a. It's gonna be a full joy." He says, I've spoken these things to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Christ tops off our joy. He makes our joy full in him. He enlarges our capacity and fills it until it's overflowing. And that's why Peter in his epistle, he can describe this joy that we feel. He he says, joy inexpressible or joy unspeakable and full of glory. That's why that's why Peter can say with confidence that we have this joy that can't be that can't be described with words it is a glorious and unspeakable joy. And so you might ask well well then how do I obtain this joy? How how do I experience this joy that's only found in Christ? I, I like what you're saying, Jacob. I, I you know I, I want to have this joy in the Lord that's sourced in Him, where where it, it, it he, where He expands my capacity for joy. But how do I obtain this joy? And that and that's the million dollar question, right? You know, like, you know, how, how do, how do I, I know that, I know what it says on paper. I know what the Bible says, but how do I experience this joy that we're talking about? And so in order to understand this command to rejoice in the Lord, I think we need to go back a chapter and look in, in what Paul was speaking in the, in the previous verses in this passage, right? And so we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna, we're gonna put it up on the screen here. Right? We need to understand the heart of the man who wrote the command, rejoice in the Lord. And so this is the heart of Paul. He says, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh, right? If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Paul doesn't mean to brag, but he's saying, if you guys think that you have reason to to, to boast and to glory, uh, I have a whole lot more than you, right? And so he says, uh, he says, and then he begins to list all of his accomplishments. He says, circumcised on the eighth day. Of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Now, but here's the thing, right? So he, so he goes on through these things that he said that he once took joy in, the, these circumstantial things that he used to take pride in. And now he shows you what he values now. He says, but whatever gain I had, I counted as lost for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Here, Paul, in no uncertain terms, lays down his heart for Christ. He lays it down plainly for us all to see. Paul shows us that above all else, he values Christ Christ. Jesus was the most valuable thing to Paul, knowing Christ in the power of his resurrection and in the fellowship of his sufferings was was Paul's main motive in life. It was all he wanted. He says that's the only thing that really matters. As a matter of fact, I look at everything else in the world. I look at everything else and I consider it as trash or rubbish in comparison. I consider it as loss in comparison to the gain that I have in Christ. And in here lies the source of all Christian joy. If you want to know how we can have this joy in the Lord, well, well, here's the answer. The more I value Christ, the more joy is made available to me. These things are directly proportional. If I value Christ much, I'm going to have much joy. If I see Jesus with a high view, then I'm going to have a very large joy. If I, have a low vo- if I have a low view of Christ, that means that my joy is limited. If, if that means that if, if, I, if I see Christ is very low, then that means that I have a circumstantial joy and the joy of Christ is not in me. In, in, in verses four through six, Paul shows us the things that he used to value. He used to value pedigree and status and accomplishments and, and man-made righteousness Prior to knowing Christ, Paul's joy was not found in Christ. But when he came to know Christ, the the things that he valued began, began to change. The things that Paul used to consider gain were no longer gain, but now he considered them as loss in comparison to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. And for those of you guys who who don't know me very well, um um my, one of my favorite preachers and authors is man by uh, the name of John Piper, right? Like I like anything John Piper I love. If you want to give me a Christmas gift, give me a John Piper book, right? Um and so uh John Piper is known for saying this phrase. It's kind of like his 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 catchphrase. It's like his mantra. He's he's known for saying this, right? He says, "God is glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him." It is the heart of God today that we would take our joy in him. Christ wants sinners to come to him in repentance. God wants us to take advantage of his mercy. He wants us to come to the altar of forgiveness and seek in Christ the grace and joy that he's freely given. That's why he says, come to me, all you who are heavy laden, all everybody who's burdened. He says, I'm going to give you rest for my for my heart is gentle and lowly. Right? Christ came to give us this, this joy and this peace. And as a matter of fact, it's something that he wants. Wants to give us. The Bible says in, uh, in in Matthew, it says the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then, in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Christian joy is the sum total of all the things that we treasure in life. When we come to know Christ, everything grows dim in comparison. Knowing Christ is the only thing that we care about, right? And we see that happen in Paul's life. That's why Paul is able to say under the influence of the Holy Spirit that I consider all things as loss, Which brings us to our second point here today. We're gonna we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna continue on in our text, right? So, how does Christian joy differ from the joy of the world? Well, firstly, Christian joy is not found in circumstance, but in Christ. And then, secondly, Christian joy is not seasonal, but always. So, we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna uh, take a look at our verse here. We're gonna I'm gonna give you the second part. So, we re- we already read, "Rejoice in the Lord." Second part, "Rejoice in the Lord always." If we can go back, "Rejoice in the Lord always." Paul is clear that we if we're to um, Paul is very clear that the joy that we are to experience is, in Christ is one that is not seasonal but one that is always Jesus came to give you an always joy and you might be sitting here like Jacob like are you crazy how could i have an always joy Like, I, I, like, there's nothing I feel always. I'm like, I get up in the morning and by the time I have coffee, I've already felt 15 different things. Like, how can I have this always type of joy? Like, I I don't think that's possible, Jacob. Right? And so, um, it's a Paul, but Paul says it nonetheless. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And so, how is that possible? Well, firstly, it's possible because Paul uses joy as a verb. We can have joy always because Paul isn't telling us to feel an emotion. Rather, he's commanding us to take action. Paul doesn't see, Paul doesn't say to feel joyful always. He doesn't say to always feel this emotion of joy, but rather he says to rejoice in the Lord always. Paul is telling us to take joy in Christ and then to act on that joy. Consider the surpassing worth of Christ. Consider how valuable he is to you and then celebrate him. Look to Jesus and see him for all that he's worth and treasure that and then act on that On that, and say, God, you are the most valuable thing in my life. In, in times that are good and in times are, in our, that are bad, we can always, always celebrate what we have in Christ. We can't always feel joy, but we can always act out on the joy that we know we have in Christ. So we can have always joy because joy is a verb. And then secondly, we can have always joy because our joy is rooted in something that's unchanging. Our joy is rooted in something that's always the same. When we look at Christ as our center of joy, when we look at as, as God as the thing that we take joy and pleasure in, the thing that we, that we understand about Him is that He's always consistent. And this, is, and this is a very hard thing for us to grasp because everything else in the world is always changing. It, it, you know, you guys can have a, 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 a person that you take joy in and that person can be different one second and a whole other person in another second, right? Um, and so Jesus is not like the people that we've come to know in the past. And his joy is not like the joy that we've ever known in the past. James tells us that the, that in the Father there is no variation or shadow of turning. That means that God is consistent, right? When this world is inconsistent, when the, when the world is, is so shifty and shaky, we can stand on the solid rock of Christ. And when we stand on that solid rock, we know that our joy is rooted in this thing that's stable. We know that our joy is rooted in something that's not shifty. When we take joy in things that are inconsistent, then our joy is seasonal. But since our God is constant, then we have the ability to have constant joy. And you might say, but, but Jacob, like, what about suffering? What about pain? Surely we can't have joy in times of grieving or when we're sad or when we're in pain. I mean, the Bible tells me, like, Jacob, you probably didn't read this passage, right? But in Ecclesiastes, it says, there's a time to weep and a time to dance, right? There's a time to mourn and there's a time to laugh. Like, Jacob, you probably didn't read Psalms 30, chapter 5, where it says, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning, Right, Like, obviously you didn't read those verses, Jacob, because that shows that joy is seasonal, right? Right here is mourning, right here is dancing, right here is weeping, and then here is joy right here, right? The Bible shows seasonal joy, right? So how can we have joy in times of mourning? In life, there may be times where the overwhelming feeling in your life is sorrow. and times where the overwhelming emotion of life is grief. And there, and there may be time, other times, where the overwhelming feeling of our life, the overwhelming emotion is joy and happiness and gladness. We, in, a, in our earthly understanding, we see pain as an affront to joy. We see those things as, as not being able to coexist. Right? But that's not the way that Paul saw it. Right? Paul says, Paul in 2 Corinthians, he says, sorrowful. He acknowledges the, the, the um the sorrow that's in his life. He says, sorrowful yet always rejoicing. Joy and sorrow can live together. Philippians 4 is not written in a vacuum void of suffering, right? The, the words where Paul wrote down rejoice in the Lord always wasn't written from a place where, where everything was going fine in Paul's life. As a matter of fact, things were terrible for him. Paul, Paul wrote those words while in prison. Imagine writing the words rejoice in the Lord always while you're sitting in a cold, dark, first century prison. Surely those words would have been tough to write down in a, in a context like that. But joy, but Paul understood that joy is not a thing that, that, uh, that can't exist in sorrow. Joy is kind of like a rock on the shore. When we look out onto the shore and we, when the, the tide recedes and we see a rock out, On the shoreline, and and we we see it, and then all of a sudden, high tide comes, and it conceals the rock. We don't say to ourselves, "Well, the rock the rock disappeared. It's no longer there. It's gone. It it disappeared. It's it, it just it just ceased to be." No, we understand that the rock is there, but it's just been over. It's just been hidden by the high tide. So joy is the same way that we can have joy even in times of sorrow. Even when the overwhelming feeling of our life is sorrow, we can still have joy in Christ. And this is, this is precisely the, you know what? Joy is actually more than just the thing that we have during sorrow, but it's a thing that pushes us through sorrow, right? Jesus was a man who was acquainted with grief, who knew what it was to sorrow, right? The Bible says that, 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 um, that Jesus was, was a man that was, that, that was, that was stricken, right? That was, uh, that was beat down and, and he understood what it was to, to know sorrow, but yet joy was the thing that pushed him forward. In the midst of suffering, the Bible tells us for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Jesus didn't want to experience the cross, but when he did, right, joy was the weapon that he used to combat the grief. Joy is, the, joy is, our, is, the, is what we use when, when times are bad. We remember our joy in Christ, and it's able to push us through hardship, If we can go on to the last part of the verse here. I know it's a whole lot of scripture, guys. I've been, you know, it's 10 words, okay? I hope you guys can handle it. But rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Notice the language here. In the first part of the passage, Paul commands the Philippian church in the present tense. He says, rejoice in the Lord. Right, but in the second part, he actually says it in the future tense. He says, again, I will say rejoice. Rejoice. Uh, he, says, he says, I'm resolved to continue, to, to continue reminding myself time and time and time again, over and over again, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. He says, I'm going to say it now and keep on saying it in the future. Rejoice in the Lord. And so why is this important? Why does Paul find it necessary to remind himself to take joy in Christ? Well, firstly, Paul repeats his instruction because it's important. It's worth repeating. Important things are always worth repeating. That's why in middle school, I'm like given the same instruction like 10 times. If it's important, I'm going to keep on saying it until you get it. And Paul is no different. He keeps on repeating this instruction. Throughout his letter, Paul constantly reminds the Philippian church to rejoice. In chapter two, he encourages them, he encourages the Philippian church to rejoice with him. In chapter 3, he instructs them to rejoice in the Lord. And in chapter 4, we, we just read here, he instructs them to rejoice in the Lord always. And then he says, again, I will say, rejoice. Paul is quick to remind the Philippian church to, church to rejoice because it's important. Having our joy rooted in Christ is important. Paul understood that uh, a joy rooted in Christ is essential for our walk with God. He understood that as people, if we're not vigilant of our joy, that we could be tempted to take our focus off Christ and to center it on the things around us. He understood that it's possible for a Christian to become so distracted by the things of this world so that they would, so that they would fall prey to reverting back to their default setting, reverting back to this circumstantial type of joy, to seeing joy as a product of our environment. And I feel like sometimes it's like, just like Peter, uh, like when Peter stepped out of the boat onto that stormy ocean water and he was walking on the water and he saw Jesus and and he was looking at him and he was like, and and, and for a time he was able to see Jesus and trust in him. But then he began to look at the waves and the the stormy ocean around him and what, what happened? Peter began to sink. In that same way Paul is telling us to not take our eyes off of joy because if we do then if we if we do we, then we can fall prey to this to the to the our surroundings around us and we begin to become affected by the circumstances we're living in. That's why Paul reminds us to rejoice. Don't allow the things of this world to rob you of your joy. Rather, treasure Christ with all that you have and find your joy in him. Be like Paul where he says, I consider all things lost in comparison to the excellency of knowing Christ. Which brings us to our big idea. Joy always does not mean joy unattended to. Joy always does not mean joy unattended to if we want to have this always sort of joy that is described here in Philippians, this rejoice in the Lord always, we're going to have to give attention to it. We're going to have to tend to it. We're going to have to, sorry about that. We're going to have to cultivate this joy. We're going to have to live a life of constantly coming back to Christ and diving further and further into the surpassing worth of knowing him. Yes, we we have a joy that comes from Christ, but this joy is not a joy that's not cultivated. right? We have to learn to constantly come back to Christ and to treasure him more and more deeply. To know Christ is to know joy. To know Christ is to know joy. So let us aim to be like Paul in Philippians chapter 3 when he says, when it comes to the aim of knowing Christ, I don't claim to have attained it yet. He says, I'm not there yet. I don't know Christ as deeply as I ought. I haven't experienced the depth of joy that I, that, that, um, that Christ has for me. There's still yet more to explore in him. There's a greater depth of knowing Christ in joy that I haven't tapped into today. And if you're sitting in this auditorium today and you're saying to, you're saying to yourself, man, I, I've never experienced a joy like you're talking about. I, I don't know what it is to have this this always sort of joy. I remember being a 13 year old boy and, and, and sitting in your exact position. I remember the absolute misery and agony of circumstantial joy. I remember looking at my life and not being able to see much good in it. I remember growing up in a house where I had a meth addicted father who even when he had overcome his addiction, it only gave way to an even more violent addiction to alcohol. I remember a peaceless house where every night was, 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 was met with, with fighting and, and arguing and violence. I remember there was never any peace in the home. I remember the fear of wondering if, if whether or not my mom would be safe through the night. And I also remember as a 13-year-old boy sitting in a church service. I I looked like just any other kid but, but in me I was desperately longing for something more I was desperately looking for something that I didn't have because as I looked at this world I said there is no joy in this place there's nothing I see that's worth living for and I remember the preacher getting up and talking about this new life that he had found in Christ. And I remember I remember hearing the words of that preacher, and I said, yeah, I want that for myself. I want what it is to, to be able to experience this joy unspeakable and full of glory, to know this Christ who, who trades mourning for dancing, for sorrow, and for joy. I want to know this, this God who who takes my sins and who offers me the righteousness of Christ. I want to know that so desperately. And I remember coming to a, to an altar and praying a prayer of God. Like I I heard what the preacher said. I, I, I heard the words of this, of this man who says that he came to know you. And I want that same thing. God, I want that for myself. And my life hasn't been the same since. My my life didn't change after that. I still came home to a life that was that was a total mess. But now I had a joy that was rooted in Christ. Now I had an always type of joy where it didn't matter what circumstances came to me, but now I I, I had joy that wasn't rooted in the things around me. Let's go ahead and pray today, church. God, as we sit here in this auditorium on this New Year's service. I don't know who, who all is here. Maybe there are people here that are so rooted in your joy, who know you so deeply, God, that this, is, that this is just a reminder for them. And I pray, God, that this would be a reminder for them. God, I pray that they would take this and be like, yes, I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. But maybe here there's somebody who's forgotten what it is to take joy in you. Or maybe there's somebody here who's never, ever experienced your joy, who's never experienced what it is to treasure you above all else. Lord, I pray that you would fill every single person in here with your joy, that everybody here would come to know you and to be able to experience the joy that is found in you and in only you, God. God, we want to know that today. So as we go out into this Out of this Christmas, or sorry, out of this New Year's service, God, fill us with your joy. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.
0: All right. Man, we're blessed as a church to have such awesome youth pastors who can uh, preach God's word and are so passionate about their relationship with Christ. Our kids are blessed to to be involved in the program like that. Thank you, Jacob. Um, My name is Kenny Kibble. If uh, you haven't met me, I'm the executive pastor here. Um, And if you just prayed with Jacob to receive Christ, if you're either here in person or watching online, and maybe you just now uh, surrendered your life to Christ and accepted his offer of forgiveness that Jacob talked about, um, would you let us know? I mean, really, would you just let us know if God's doing anything? Maybe you still have some questions before you're ready to do something like that. Um, There's a way you can get a hold of us. If you're here in person, you can go to the lobby on on the left-hand side of the lobby on your way out, and you can talk to someone there about it. Um, And if you're online, go to campcc.net. Click on Next Steps. There's a little form you can fill out, and one of our pastors will get back to this week. We really want to engage with you on this kind of stuff. Well, 2022 has been an awesome year. A lot of great things happened in the life of our church. We've been so blessed. Um, we're going to receive our offering now. There's three ways to participate. You can give online by going to campcc.net, clicking give at the top of the page. Uh, you can text the amount you want to donate to 84321, or there's an offering box in the lobby where you can drop an offering on your way out. Uh, all right. We're going to do something a little different um, as we close the service today. If I can get everyone to stand up real quick. All right, I want you to find someone sitting near you, introduce yourself if you don't know them, and say Happy New Year. And while you're doing that, we're going to roll the video.
5: CC, how you doing? Robin Frazier here and I serve happily on our hospitality team. Let me just tell you, I am so glad you're here. If this is your first, second, or third time guest, we have some gifts for you. Mark your connection card, or if you're watching online, go to camcc.net slash next steps. We have some great stuff coming up here at CamCC. Monster Movie Night, Saturday, January 14th, from 5 to 7.30 p.m. There'll be hot dogs, snacks, pajama party, and a scare booth competition to win some pretty sweet prizes. Go. Invite your friends, family, and neighbors for a monster fun time. Sunday, January 15, baptisms. We will be having baptisms for both worship gatherings. If you would like to take the next step in your faith, this is your opportunity. Mark the new year with an outward expression of following Jesus. The week of January 22nd? growth groups if you have not tried out growth group you gotta try it it's a great way to connect and build relationships while studying god's word it's only eight weeks and childcare is available sign up at camcc.net slash growth groups chat with pastor jim on the patio or shoot him an email at camcc.net we also have two classes kicking off that same week tuesdays dave ramsey's financial peace university Learn great financial principles that are applicable to your current financial situation. You can be on the road of getting out of debt. It's nine weeks and taught by two CPAs, the lawbockers The second is on Wednesday nights, Pathway, a six-week journey in discovering how to grow in your faith and getting connected to CAMCC. This is a great way to meet all the pastors and directors and have fun meeting new people. To sign up for either of these classes, go to camcc.net slash growth groups, or email Moyer at camcc.net. The month of February, don't miss our new Community Impact Initiative as we look to support local law enforcement. If you are interested in automating your pledge to the Welcome Project, I can tell you how. Go to camcc.net and click Give. Click Donate or set up recurring giving. Choose the amount, choose the Welcome Project in the dropdown, then choose the frequency. Then you should be good to fill out the rest of the form. If you need help with any of this, contact Kenny at camcc.net, and he would be more than happy to set you up. (music) To stay in the loop of what's going on at CamCC, follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For more info on any of these events, you can go to camcc, Dot net
0: I uh, please stand up for well I guess you're all stand up already. Uh, <laughs> I'm Andrew Bass I'm the fourth and fifth grade director here and what I got out of the message today was that our joy isn't dependent on our circumstances but rather it's dependent on our relationship with Christ. If this is your first time with us, we got some goodies at the welcome desk just outside in the lobby. If it's your first time here, just go out there and make sure you grab your gift. Um, Join us on the patio just to hang out and uh, to chill with your friends and family, and we'll see you next Sunday. Happy New Year.